The core objective of E-Universal, an energy project funded by the European Union, is to develop a universal approach on the use of flexibility by DSOs and their interaction with new markets. Last year, together with the project's representative, we demystified the project's focus and action points. This time, as the project enters its final stage, and together with Carlos Damas Silva, coordinator of eUniversal, and my guest for this episode, we are going to discuss the outcomes and next steps. Welcome to the EU Project Zone, a podcast series from Enlit and Friends, focusing on the energy transition and the EU Commission-funded projects that will help us achieve it. My name is Areti Daradimu, and I am the host of the EU Project Zone. Carlos, thank you very much for being here with me. Would you please describe in a few words the E-Universal project, just to remind to our audience? Okay, thank you. Thank you very much for your invitation, and also I'm happy to be here. Um, well, the, the universal project has a very uh, simple objective, a core objective, which is to um, provide the tools for system operators, market platforms, and also uh, flexibility providers to interact between themselves in order to come up with new services for the management of the grid. In this case, we are working mostly with the distribution grid, um, but it can also be used for other players, such as these market farm platforms. And within this context, we are developing the UMEI, which is a very simple uh, list or set of common APIs that uh, may be integrated by each one of those parties or even adapted in order to allow for this data exchange to, to take place. So we are not talking, we are not developing a, a single platform that will uh, concentrate data. We are just uh, providing the bridges between the entities so that the data can, can freely flow. And, and uh, within that context, context um, we are um, uh, developing the, the, yeah, the, the SOMI together with some tools that can support the enablement of flexibility service for grid management, which in turn will make the grid more efficient, um, uh, more reliable, and also can be used for other purposes, such as uh, an alternative to, the, to, to investment on, on distribution grids themselves, uh, and also for operational purposes and, and help the distribution uh, companies and also the consumers uh, go forward with the, the digitalization and also the transformation of the electricity system. Okay, so, so um, building on what you just said, mm -hmm. uh, on your description of the project, which uh, specific, let's say, point of the uh, EU energy grid is the project covering and how? Well, um, it's not just one specific point. So as the, we aim for decarbonization of, of the society overall, uh, we are seeing an increasing electrification of the system. Also, the introduction of, of uh, distributed generations, new loads such as electric vehicles, heat pumps that are, of course, more efficient, but they demand a lot from the existing infrastructure. Um, so the, 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 the purpose of flexibility is to uh, not build an oversized infrastructure uh, that, that has to, 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 to exist to overcome these limitations, but to work with the existing infrastructure, optimize it uh, as much as possible, 
and and uh, um, uh, be able to integrate this kind of resources into in the network more easily. Uh, we can think technically, of course, on the distribution side on, on congestion management of, of the medium voltage and low voltage lines that, that, that are the voltage levels that we are mostly working with in uh, universal demonstrations. Um, but also we can think on voltage issues that can, can arise a lot with the, the introduction of distributed generation, especially also on low voltage. So the universal will provide the means uh, for this flexibility to appear and, and to optimize the, the network uh, together with the tools that we already dispose in terms of smart grid management. Okay, so it is sort of a holistic view mm. uh, and uh, and a few ways that it can actually assist in the energy transition. And being such, I would assume that uh, it has some partners and a very specific target audience, right? It has indeed uh, uh, some some core partners of the project. So the, the project has uh, around 19, 19 partners from from eight different uh, European countries, and uh, but but more important than the the number of partners is the the, the type of partners that, that the project has. So currently we have uh, three DSOs uh, working from 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 Portugal from from uh, uh, Germany and from Poland. So Erhids is the coordinator of the project, but we are also working with E.ON, uh, Mitnet, and also uh, um, Energa uh, operator from, from Poland. Uh, but also we, we tried to, and we, we were able to bring in some market operators. So companies that have uh, real experience in managing energy markets and, and the flexibility markets, and working with them to come up with this universal, uh, that's why the name of the project exists, so it's a universal approach to the, to the process, to, to enable the, the flexibility process. Then we have, of course, some, some uh, research institutions. Uh, we have VITU, we have Inesctec, we have Veric, uh, I, I'm not going to pronounce them all, um, and, and some associations of the sector, some technology providers. So it has all uh, a very diverse uh, set of, of partners, but uh, that's the appropriate uh, amount, and, and they have the capabilities to deliver these holistic uh, solutions or set of solutions that the project is developed. Because the UMA, of course, is the core concept, but just with UMEI, also it's very difficult to achieve what we are trying to. So we, we, we also develop a, a set of complementary tools, tools uh, and well, tools for the management of the grids, but also tools, regulatory tools that may assist us in, in performing the work. Um, to, to complete the work as better as possible. So as the project enters its final stage, could you elaborate on the major issues that your team faced? Yeah, we, we faced in fact some, some issues. Some of them are technical, of course. Others are more operational. And probably I will start with those because we, we uh, are testing the, the developed concepts, also the UMEI, in, in three different places across Europe. So we are, we are setting up a demonstration in Portugal, another one in Germany, and another one in, in Poland. And for these demonstrations to happen, and especially because we are targeting mostly the medium, but uh, overall the, the, the low voltage networks, which is... Uh, which are something unexplored in terms of active interaction of, of the consumers with the grid. 
uh, we had some difficulties and are having, of course, in engaging consumers to take an active role on this kind of projects. Uh, this is this uh, is very difficult, namely because of uh, uh, European laws that prevent uh, us from using, from freely using the data from the consumers, which is natural because they, that's their personal data. But but this obliges us to a, a new set of work procedures to be in place so that we can count on these consumers to be on board uh, uh, for the projects and they are essential. Um, this is one part of, of the, the, the issues that we faced, of course, but we are trying to surpass them and I believe we will successfully. Uh, the other one has to do more with the, the UMEI itself, so the set of messages and set of interactions that we um, are proposing. Um, that's really, uh, we, we felt that the background material to, to develop that, to, to identify what, what are the key parts uh, that have to be covered by such an interface, uh, uh, were still not explored uh, to the appropriate level. So that we had to, to do some, some work as basis for, for its development. But after all, that's why we are developing also this the project. So uh, we, we had this chance to define the flexibility services for which one of the services, which are the, the procedures that need to take place and to propose the technical uh, uh, interface for, so that the DSOs can communicate with the market operators, the flexibility providers can also communicate uh, with the, the market operators and also that the DSO can communicate with the aggregators for this purpose of flexibility provision. So we, we are trying to create here a mesh network uh, between all the stakeholders. So you would say that you learn from these issues, right? Of course. Yeah. And uh, what are the lessons that you learned? We have many uh, lessons learned also, again, in the technical uh, uh, side, we have a much clearer view on what can we take out from flexibility that we had not uh, a few years ago. Uh, we identified what are the grid needs in terms of planning of the grids, in terms of expansion, in terms of operation. and. Each one of these uh, phases or these activities from the system operators can leverage on the usage of flexibility. Uh, if well uh, structured and well thought and well uh, uh, planned, um, we can target uh, operations, give them tools to work with flexibility and to, to run a more cost-efficient networks. But also for, for the planning, for the expansion, this is also uh, true. But there are, of course, more benefits. Uh, if you think in terms of research institutions, uh, typically these institutions have a lot of tools that they, they develop. And uh, in projects like this, they have the chance to test these solutions in a real life scenario. Also, the system operators can uh, learn from those uh, innovative approaches and perhaps apply some of these procedures to, to the operation. Um, and, and uh, of course, this, is, this creates a, a much more uh, a comprehensive view on what we are uh, dealing with. On the market side, um, we can also see that uh, uh, how can, well, um, we, we also learned a lot how can the flexibility from the users uh, be aggregated to provide services to the grid. This is still an open question that we are trying to answer across the demonstrations as they progress. Uh, but there is this degree uh, and this question uh, which asks how far can uh, an 
uh, low voltage customer, a single customer, provide this uh, benef benefit to the grid and what, what he is going to want for it. Uh, we are also trying to answer this question with the, the demonstrations in the project. But of course, we are also developing these innovative ways of aggregating resources, of working with domestic appliances, for example, or uh, solar uh, panels. Uh, to provide these these services uh, in innovative approaches, other than just relying on big consumers or big producers to to deviate their world curve. So all these lessons learned, all this knowledge uh, gathered, mm -hmm. and then the project ends. What are the next steps? Well, in there we have a, a, a very well-structured plan because the UMEI as it stands is open source. So we, we, we set this very clear from, from the beginning that we wanted to develop a, an open source interface for any stakeholder of the industry. It is uh, right now published on, on the Universal website and also on GitHub. So uh, you, if, if you are, for example, a system operator or a market operator, you can ju just go there, uh, download the UMEI, uh, see if it covers any of your needs because it has also a modular approach. You don't have to implement it all. You, you maybe you just need to rely on some core functionalities or core messages that you are uh, lacking and need to exchange with other partners. You can slightly adapt it to your current situation and uh, hence evolving it. So we are giving back to the community also what the, the in this case the European Commission uh, invested in the project so that others can uh, adopt and our uh, overall objective is to turn the UMEI not into a, a standard as, as we are used to but a de facto standard so meaning that uh, trying to, 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 we are trying to, to make the UMEI as much as uh, simple to, for others to use so that everyone wants to adopt it. That's the main objective. You mentioned the European Commission and uh, that's a very nice assist for my final question to you. Uh, I would like to ask you if the rules and regulations that we currently have from the European Commission but also from local authorities because Europe is let's say a collection of countries right it's not only uh, it's not only the European Commission are they uh, helping in the topic of interoperability because I know that this project has interoperability is one of the main focus points of this project so my question to you is first is it achievable in a pan-european level and second do we have the rules and regulations needed to achieve it? Yeah, I would say that in a general term, the interoperability is achievable, uh, but it's not like a, a prescribed uh, way of exchanging data. So I think it is achievable to a certain extent and not uh, uh, fully uh, interoperable in the sense that everyone will talk the same standard between themselves. Um, this is more or less what we are also trying to, to, to provide with UMEI. So trying to come up with common ways for people to communicate, however, uh, also allowing for slight modifications to happen here and there, because we are talking with a um, universe of, uh, I don't know, a couple of hundreds of entities that would need to communicate uh, to, to provide these, these services to the grid. Also, the relationship between the, the flexibility service provider and the consumer and uh, enforcing one standard uh, 
would be really challenging. If you try to make 30 companies uh, talk the same language, that's already a challenge, but that's possible. If you try to, to get a bit uh, deeper into the, the, the situation and assess the low-voltage networks and the medium-voltage and the consumers, that's really, uh, in my perspective, impossible to prescribe a, a standard for everyone to, to, to talk. So I think the solutions uh, that must be in place uh, should follow the trends also from other industries. Uh, the IT industry, of course, is, and the banking industry is a good example. And rely on these APIs uh, that, that, of course, are interoperable and easy to implement. So I think easiness is the, the, the keyword here to, to allow uh, or, and to provide easy tools uh, so that companies can uh, speak to each, each other. On the regulatory part, uh, the project has also developed some, some uh, insights uh, in that regard, mainly uh, on regulatory sandboxes. So we, we, there's, there's, of course, cons and, and, and pros about this kind of uh, regulatory incentives or, or uh, setups. Uh, that could leverage, uh, that with, uh, with which flexibility could leverage. So if uh, more um, uh, projects and easiness of setup of these kind of projects can be tested, that's also a way to achieve more interoperability because we have the possibility to test different scenarios with different solutions. And, and I think we just uh, uh, can aim for, for full interoperability if we extensively test things and we adapt uh, fast to the current changes in, in the sector. So what I keep is that it is possible, interoperability is possible, uh, as long as we go with simplicity, communication and collaboration as much as possible, right? Yes, that's what we are trying to achieve. <laughs> thank you very much, Carlos. Thank you, Aditi. It was a pleasure. And, and thank you for joining us. You've been listening to the EU Project Zone podcast, brought to you by Enlit and Friends. You can find us on Spotify, Apple and the Enlit Europe website. Just hit subscribe and you can access our other episodes too. I am Areti Daradimu, host of this podcast series, and I thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm.